Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Education Evolution Podcast. We are a skills-based platform that provides small businesses with real skills education on how to compete with multinational corporations in an internet-first economy. My name is Matt Zimmer. I'm a serial entrepreneur who started businesses in the food and beverage industry as well as the technology industry, and my co-host is my brother, Andy Zimmer. Today we'll be covering our small business sales intelligence course and really outlining how that course looks at the global economy and what it means for small businesses. This is our first podcast, so we kind of just launch into the discussion. So if you get lost, you can download any of the content on myeducationevolution.com and really understand the details of the basic principles we're setting up. So without that, I'll hand it over to Andy to begin the conversation. You know, for me, without a background in econ or financial markets, I mean, kind of like on a macro level, what, what you're talking about in terms of the new economy or, you know, building smart businesses is whatever is, is like, you're talking about like a business that, you know, has a, has a, a global position in terms of like a, a market position or a view, but with a, with a local mission. Sure. You know, it's, it's, a, it's that it's bringing the brick and mortar back into the, the global economy. Yeah. So it's that, it's, it's all- that global position, but with the, with the local mission. So that's that balance between, you know, the it, e-commerce and, and brick and mortar. Sure. So I think from a from like an addressable market, yeah. Um, from an from an economic standpoint, I think I'm making a claim. So uh, when you think about how companies are valued, um, a company is not valued based on earnings today. A company is valued based on what are future, future what are earnings, what right? are potential futures? earnings. It's right? gambling. It's yeah. gambling on hey, we think this is the market that's addressable. Things are going to change this way. Therefore, we think future earnings taken back to present value. That's today. So that's how a company is valued. Yeah. I think that's bullshit. It doesn't. It doesn't mean it's a hundred percent bullshit. But like, it's bullshit. Um, who's to say that? Well, maybe it, it holds true with an Uber or something like that. Does it? But for, uh, I mean, you yeah, know, like, I don't know. Right. But but I can see it holding true more for like an Uber than for for a small business startup who's still rooted in a local community, you still need to be a player in a global market, but sure. your, your mission is much more local so, than, than I think, an Uber or whatever. Look, not that I, um, I think it's, e- it's easy to talk black and white about this stuff. Obviously, everything's got a shade of gray. The black and white argument that is, if a local business today had a profit of $1, is it more or less valuable than Uber is today? And like, well, oh, Uber is clearly, well, clearly, you know, uh, uh, worth more money. It's like, well, dude, they just they just reported yesterday or today, I think maybe yesterday, that they they had another one billion dollar yeah, loss, and loss. they're public. Like, so what? Why why is it more value? It's more valuable because we have hope and faith that at some point they're going to turn their business model around. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're filing for their, um, right. for, you know, their S five or whatever the documents to go public. They said, well, we may never, you know, uh, figure out how to make money. Now, that is something that everybody puts into all their filings because clearly you're not going to make a claim saying, we got this thing nailed down. However, they made the claim. They have no idea and they don't know if it'll ever be profitable. So, you know, the market valuing that thing worth, 
$70 billion based on hope and a prayer versus looking at a local business that is profitable today and people saying that's not worth shit. I just like that mindset it, when everybody is over on one side of the fence, it just is a weak, like I don't, I don't get how everybody has clamored over to these propping these bullshit businesses up that it seems like they were built on bullshit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So that's like the market. That's the market. I also, I mean, I also think about it too, that, that we live in a global economy, but we live in local communities. And part of quality of life is the community that you live in. Sure. And and that comes down to supporting those those smaller businesses. So yeah, I mean how how you value those, how you support those, and how those businesses thrive is important because because yeah, while we while we live in this global, you know, technology, you know, cloud, like we physically live in the communities in which we live. And and so you know, for me that's, you know, really where, you know, that that local mission that you're trying to do is is trying to help those small businesses and support those small businesses because those are still important in the communities in which we live, but they, you know, and and they have to thrive in those local communities while still being a player in this this global world in in which we all live. It's important, you know, to recognize the the structure and function of kind of these large multinational companies. Like a data-driven company, you know, the purpose of data is to be it's around strategy. It's it's trying to be, you know, the more data you have, the more strategic you can be. The way like a platform like Facebook is built, um, they know who the advertiser is, right? They know who the company is. They know who the potential customer is. Uh, so they, they, know, they know both ends of the spectrum and they know everything about, you know, kind of commerce in that, in, in that market. So the way that these companies are built is they're really built to suck all of the profit you know, out of the goods or service that are that are being transmitted across their network. Um, you know, so so it's in Facebook's it's in Facebook's best interest to know that hey, if you're this type of company and you're selling to this type of person, they're willing to pay this amount, and your product has this amount of cost, which means there's this much profit in it. And we're going to try to, you know, take as much of that profit as we can. That's how they're set up. They're not trying to do, they're, they're in it for, for their benefit, which they should be. They're, they're a company. Um, you know, but everybody, it seems like everybody thinks these companies are built to try to make this stuff cheaper. When in reality, they're a distribution platform. And they're trying to, they're trying to make the distribution worth as much to the system as they can so that they can you know, take as much value out of that as that system as possible. Not trying to, they're not trying to sink those costs as much as they can. They're trying to figure out how do I create as much value as I can to suck as much profit out of the system. And so at this point where we're at, they know everything about the the, the supplier. They know everything about um, um, the, uh, the buyer. And, you know, they've got all the data to, to figure out, okay, this is what, when when this company places an ad targeted at this person, we're gonna make it's gonna cost this much. 
and they suck out all the money. Yeah, and so they've created a model, like you talk in, in, in your presentation materials um, a bit about, um, you know, this, you know, the, you know, the approach as a business and you, you have this solution seconds approach and go on to discuss, um, you know, the, how businesses focus on um, symptoms, on symptoms as, as opposed to, to problems. And I think that, you know, and maybe, you know, somebody like Facebook has, has already, you know, figured that out for their business model. I, I thought that was a really good point because, you know, if you think, uh, uh, thinking about the problem versus symptoms, it's like, you know, in the, in the medical field, it's like the difference between prevention and cure. Sure. You know, and, and, and that's a big part of, of what I think is the problem with our, our healthcare system is we're so focused on cures once the person is already sick and don't do enough about prevention. It's like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Is, is the old phrase. And, sure. and you're tailoring that to, uh, to, um, a business model, I think, where you know there's too much focus on the on the cure, which would be the the um, the symptom in this uh, in this you know argument versus the problem, which is you know the prevention and the medical problem. And so we need to you know. Well, I think uh, yeah, um, you know the like I came to a bunch of this stuff by just you know the companies that I've started and just seeing how I conducted myself and seeing where I had success and failure and and obviously talking to a lot of entrepreneurs and and what you what you kind of seem to notice is is how enamored people get with their solution um and in yeah. gen- and in general a, the solution is is something that they're having a problem with um yeah and and, and, and they're excited for themselves it's kind of like and, and everyone likes the smell of their own farts right right? <laughs> right and it's like oh man like i had this problem like look at this solution and so like you know they they, they kind of put those two things together very quickly and then the business becomes okay like i've got this thing now let me figure out the market and you know so then they they, they put these blocks on, on top of it and what they're doing is they're taking their symptom, symptom and they're kind of padding these things about it and it artificially is is you're artificially kind of creating this this demand for for your product um so you're 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 trying to artificially create oh there's this market there's so you're you're trying to excitement around the the idea um and without really a a structured way to to push that out right and so when you go out and when you take that out then so you you'd spend a lot of time figuring that out and you, you spend a lot of money creating the product and then you go out to the market and you're like what do you think do you have this problem? And people are like, I kind of, I had that, sort of had that problem, but like this thing, you know, this thing is what, you know. And so you start hearing like all these, you're not, you're never a hundred percent right. You know, your, your problem, the, what you've initially identified is your problem. There is a problem there, but how you're addressing the market is, it's just shifted yeah. enough. And the fact that you've spent all this time and money and what and, you thought was a problem may actually be right. a symptom. Right. It's Versus, like uh, if you talk about um, this comes up a lot in mental health these days where people um, have addiction issues. And what we're finding is that the problem more often than not isn't the addiction issue. The problem is probably a mental health issue or something like that. 
and the addiction issues is a symptomatic sure. thing of, of, of a way where somebody is trying to self-medicate or whatever to deal with the mental health issue. And right. so it's, it's, it's not that the, the addiction issue isn't a problem, but it's, it's actually down the chain. If you, if you look at the big picture, the addiction issue, sure, that's a problem, but it's actually symptomatic of a sure. bigger issue. So, uh, like, and I think that, like, I think that logic applies actually to the startup community and really, absolutely. and kind of this, this underlying under, uh, framework of what Silicon Valley has started, has yeah. set up as the startup culture. The startup culture is you create this, that you fail quick, and then once you have success, you go and, you go and raise money, and money is the drug. Money is the drug of, oh, I've got, this, yeah. I've got this solution, like, let's just fire it out. You're propping up this bullshit business model with a bunch of cash infusion infusion that allows you to you know properly propagate into the market and whether or not it's real or not yeah. in um, reality it's you know, it's it's kind of it's innovation without execution right right and so innovation without execution what is that it's kind of meaningless at the end of the day right you know, versus taking a position of you know what uh, the world isn't changing as fast as these companies would let us believe it just isn't yeah i can i can slow down I can go test the. I can go test these things and actually see, like, you know, oh, am I addressing the? Am I addressing the root cause, or am I just playing around, playing around the side? And this is, you know, where, why I kind of uh, last night when I t- was talking, why I went through the ev- the the evolution of education evolution, it uh, of it starting out as a. It started out as a product, a physical based product to handle data capture. And as I went out and tried to sell this thing, what I realized is, yep, that's important. You know, that's an important piece, but it really doesn't address the market need. The market need is, how the hell do you get these people together in a cost-effective format so that you can, you can actually conduct business in a, in a low-cost format? And what that means, you know, why, what education evolution does is it takes the cost, it takes the high cost of education, Having a having a, a a physical based event, um, as well as the sales process, and it distributes it across to everybody that's everybody that's involved. So everybody, yeah. you know, you're not paying to be there, but you're paying with your time. You're paying with your gas to get to the event. Like you are paying, you're just not paying more. And so you know, so everybody that's at an event, we distribute that 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 kind of sales cost across everybody, and therefore, you know, it's a way to it's it's a way to gather people together to then, you know, conduct business. Um, I would also think like, you know, not only do you want to get those people together, but you want to keep them together. Like you can, you sure. can, you can push something out and, you know, and, and make something appear really sexy and get people to rally around the flag once, but how do you get them to come back again and again and again? And, and, you know, and not only is that something I'm sure that you were thinking about for what you're putting together here, but of course, what all these people that are that are participating in that want for their business, you know, you get somebody to come through the door once, that's great. But how do you get them to come back? And, you know, there's there's this, you know, the phrase out there, you know, that the box sells the cereal, right? So when you go down to the grocery store, you know, people, I mean, that's how people sure. buy things for the first time. That box sells the cereal, but, you know... If the cereal still has to taste good for somebody to right. come back so and that, buy it a second time, that's right? an ar- that's an argument saying like the, the product still needs to be great. This is exactly. it's not saying that the product doesn't matter. It's actually saying the product matters more than you think it does. Right. Like the product needs to be so much better than what you think it does that don't create your product. Like stop. 
Stop creating the product until you're ready to create the product. And being ready to create a product means you're a fucking expert. Like you're an expert on the market, the customer, and the problem. That those are the, That's what those three things are. Because when you can talk informed about those people and you're an expert above everybody else, now you're ready to create a solution. And if you think you're going to create a solution and come into a market that you've never been involved in, good freaking luck. I mean, it's why we're talking about, you know, taking this and extending it into other markets. I've got ideas of other verticals, but do I really understand how to address the, the music industry? I have no idea. I don't know where people are that are interested in that vertical. Where are they hanging out? What are they into? What do they see as a problem? What do they not understand? I have no idea. You right. know, so I, I, I think that I can, I can take this concept and I think I can leverage it across various fields, but am I really the person that can do that? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, now, am I the person to maybe handle some of the distribution and the tech background and stuff like that? Yeah, I can probably help and support that. Right. But that's, that's really blind to the customer, right? Yeah, the customer you could probably design the box, but right. you, you couldn't make the cereal. Right. And so yeah. the reason I picked, you know, small business sales intelligence is I can design the box and the cereal. Um, but you know, there aren't, there aren't a whole lot of verticals outside of this that I can handle. Maybe food and beverage. Um, you know, there, there are certain places that I can probably go, but I can't, I can't personally cover everything, but that's also why you need a company. You know, you need a company to bring in subject matter experts and kind of build it under one framework. Um, you know, versus saying, Hey, one person can handle all of this. But do you think a lot of those, a lot of companies in, in you know, in these small businesses and stuff like that, you know, what I'm thinking too is. You know, do they, yeah, do they, do they understand that or are they, are they focused, are they focused on, on the box or, or the cereal, the problem or, or the symptom? And I, I guess, I mean, <laughs> this is why I, I, I don't like looking, I don't, uh, I stopped liking the really dystopian views. Um, I, I would, I think today, I think most businesses are focused on the box. Yeah. You know, it's because the box is easy. The, it's easy to make the box. It's easy to try a bunch of different boxes. Um, that's, that's easy. Yeah. And it's, it's sexy. Uh, you can exactly. be like, oh, we put together this new box, right? And people get excited and it's fleeting. It is. But it gets that, you get that dopamine hit. You get those likes. You know, you get that crap. So... Um, no, I think most businesses are are focused on the other thing. I it, I, it's not even most local businesses. Most right. businesses are focused on it. It's all bullshit. It's it, like most businesses are just this framework of bullshit, and there is no underlying. Well, what do you do? What do you what what are you subject matter experts? I mean, think about all these consulting companies. What do they do? What are they subject matter experts? They're it's nothing. It's just oh, we've done this and you know we do whatever like there's no meat um so that's why you know why i tried to root this in a financial argument is i don't think everybody's there there are some there are people that run a social media campaign and they're like dude i spent 400 dollars. what did i get out of it you didn't get anything out of it like if you didn't get $401 worth of profitable customer out of that $400, it didn't work. And if your argument is, well, it's going to pay off in the future, good luck. Because nobody's going to remember it. Like, nobody's going to remember your $400 social media campaign. It's fleeting. 
Yeah. It doesn't even stay around. It's not even a physical-based magazine. Nobody's going to look at it ever again. Three days after you ran it, it's done. It's gone. Yeah. I almost think, too, that some small businesses think that, you know, we'll just, just using the social media campaign as an example is, is something like that is like, like, that's, that's, that's the end of it. It's like, <laughs> it's like the goal is to run the social media campaign. And once you run the social media campaign, it's like, we did it. We ran the campaign. Right. It's Customers like, well, are going to come. And you don't Customers even think about what come. you're going to get out of it or whatever. I know for, in, in, for jobs that I've had in the past and small businesses that I've worked for, um, yeah, that was one of the things that frustrated me as, as a, you know, as a sales and marketing and, and, and PR person is dealing with my bosses who the entire goal was to was to design and launch the ad campaign and and that was it like that was the goal and once it was launched like that was the success and there was no metrics there was no goals of like you know how do we judge what's, whether, what, yeah, what's whether the objective what's the next failure. step and whatever it began and add with began began and end, ended with just pushing that out and for me it's like well you know why what's the strategy what's you know what's the next step and 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 you know and i think you know a lot of businesses are like that and you may have a great business and and be filling a niche and have the best intentions and and whatever but the like there there's got to be a you know you got to be more savvy on, on 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 how to communicate that. And you can't just beginning and end, ending with sending something out into the ether and hoping that it connects with people the same way it connects with you. Because it never is. You're the person who's passionate about it. You're the one with the idea. You're the, you know. You know. So so I um uh I I watch um watch a lot of like entrepreneur, you know, videos on YouTube, and, and, um, I used to hate Steve Jobs, like, considerably, I always hated his keynotes, because I, I didn't, I, I, I was enamored by the keynote, I hated the product, because I, I always played with the product, I'm like, dude, my phone's been doing this for, like, five years, like, I don't understand why people are, you know, but I was, I was really enamored with watching the, um, the, the presentation, um, but so I, I watched a bunch of videos and one of the things, uh, one of the videos he talks about is, um, why Xerox, why, so the, the, the user interface, the, um, graphical, graphical user interface was something and, and, uh, how the mouse works and stuff like that was something that was developed at Xerox and basically Apple stole that interface, Xerox invited them in and essentially Apple stole um, stole that, that, that concept. Um, and that ended up kind of being the, you know, the, whatever, the winning formula. One of the things he talks about is, you know, why that happened at Xerox was, um, you know, this concept of, you know, in the beginning of, in the beginning of a company, um, it's the, it's really the product driven people yeah, that that drive and build a company, and so you're in, you're in, you're vested in creating the best product, and you know over time, basically that that rots out, and what what where the value in companies become is the sales and marketing, right? Um, you know component, and so that's where all the incentives are going, 
And so the, since the incentives are going, what become, you know, instead of focusing back on a product, what you're focusing at is, oh, how do we make you know, our sales and marketing look the most flashy? And it doesn't ever come back to, is it, is it a great product? So you get this immediate, that's not to say that sales and marketing is important, but it isn't a long-term, you know, it's, it, again, it's focusing on the box rather than, rather than cereal. And yeah. you can't not focus on the box, but if the box is great and the cereal isn't, isn't equally as great, if not magnitudes better, you're kind of screwed. And, you know, it's interesting just thinking about the, the economy in general, I feels like that's where we're at, where like this sales and marketing slickness is almost where like there's a like a the majority of companies are playing in that in that space where they're no longer making, you know, great things. They're just focused on how do I basically bullshit people into spending their money on on buying my product? Yeah. Rather than, well, you know, actually creating creating great, you know, things that are that are Again, it's not to say you can't you can't go the opposite way and only and only have a great product, but there's there there there's yeah there's, there's no middle be, ground right now. Right. Well, right, and that's why you have you know terms for people out there like influencers. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. what you know? What are they peddling? What are they pushing out there? Whatever somebody is whatever is paying pay them, them to endorse and and they're an influencer so they cast this wide net and they get paid a million dollars to put an Instagram post for you know something and yeah and they're selling that lifestyle and and that's kind of I think you know where Apple you know really really hit it was you know during that period of time where they were putting out you know new great innovative products with the iPhone and iPad and stuff like that and they matched but, with but, great marketing but right they and they were never selling a product they were selling a lifestyle right sure I mean that's that's what people were buying was I mean ultimately you buy the product but you get sold on the lifestyle. Sure. And the lifestyle comes through that that slick modern packaging and 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 how it's how it's marketed and and you're like yeah that's that's the life that I want and and you buy the product that's going to help help tailor that and and I I agree with you I think the you know we we once we're once we've gotten past, we've gotten past that as a as a site where we're we're selling a lifestyle without a product behind it. Yeah. Or at least the product's not tangible, or yep. you know, I don't know, it's fleeting. Yeah, or sustainable, or yeah. whatever. And I don't know. I I question. Maybe that's not important for some businesses out there. I would. I mean, I think it. I think it should be, but. It can't be well. It, you're 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 probably right. It's not in focus. Maybe it's not important for every business, but it can't. It can't be not important for all of the businesses. What? Because what is anything rooted in then? Well, especially like new who, or gonna, a smaller business who's gonna or whatever. Create, who's going to create all the tools? Like the world. Like you know, we talk like man. Like when it comes to like the trade war and the election and everything's focused on winning and it's like what happens after you win like the time scale that we're talking about is infinite like there is no winning you can't yeah. win it's a game that can't be won that's not to say a game that people can't jostle in position and stuff like that but um you know you need if, if it's not a zero sum or a binary right choice right 
Or you know, so if, if all the companies go away and the only people that are are, are innovating are Google and, and Apple, you're living in their world. Like and right. Well, and, that's and, it. And where's the incentive to innovate? Right. It's gone. So if that's the only thing that can exist. Not you know nothing else is gonna ever happen. Right. Well, and especially for them, you know, even now there's less of an incentive. Like if you have a billion dollar marketing budget. There's less incentive to innovate because you're going to get people coming in because you have a billion dollar marketing budget and you can saturate the environment. Right. For a smaller business, a newer business or whatever who's coming coming in, I mean, yeah, you need to you need to market it to compete with those companies. But the product is crucial too because you're not going to you don't have the name recognition, the brand recognition. You're not going to get people coming in just because you're Apple and you spend a billion dollars marketing and you have sexy ads and, and whatever. If you're if you wanna, you know, get those early adopters, those new people, the you know, a new client base, like you have to have the product to to back that up. Yeah. And when small companies, new companies stop doing that, I think that's where innovation fails because there's not gonna be the incentive for those bigger companies to continue to innovate because they already have their market share. They already have their, you know, their, their base. They already have everything. And, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they need to keep innovating to keep up with the competition. Do you think the same is true with political parties? Or do you think it's different? I think it's, I think, so, I think in countries, in, 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 in I think we're just talking about democracies, here, not you know dictatorships and, and whatever but I think in like in, in European democracies like Germany and stuff like that I think that's that's more true because if you, you know you have seven different parties that that people are voting for I think in, in places like the United States where you just have a two-party system I don't think it is an important it's it's as important because here it is a binary choice right we just have these two Goliaths and they're just battling against against each other. I mean, it's like the Cola Wars. It's just Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> and they basically have the same product. It's just kind of tweaked against each other. And they're just battling against each other. But, um, so, I, you know, I think that innovation and whatever, it's, it's it factors more into a, into a system where you've got more than two players. Yeah. And, and that's one of the frustrations that I have with our political system is that yeah it doesn't foster that that I've been, innovation and, I, the, and I've that, been thinking that a little bit about that of whether it's a feature or a flaw and it, is it a feature that that two-party system like it basically slows it slows down innovation um is that a bad thing or is it a good thing um in some i can argue myself both ways um because in some respect it 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 creates quote-unquote stability um, but it doesn't foster, you know, an innovative, an innovative move. Um, I can kind of argue myself both ways on whether or not that's a good but or I, a bad. You know, I think you can have, I, I think you can have stability, you know, in other ways. I mean, you know, uh, a, uh, a bridge or a building or what, you know, you're talking about a foundation of building something, you know, you can make something stable with a huge, big, over-engineered sure. base, 
or you could do it with lots of you know slim flexible you know supports what you know i mean i think there, there's more than one way to to create sure. stability and it's kind of like looking at like the environment that you want to create the stability like if you're you know you build differently in an earthquake zone than you do in a flood zone right and so you know and oh, you can create right. stable buildings <laughs> in both of those places but if you create a building that's designed for an earthquake that's in a flood zone it may be a stable building until the flood comes and sure. then you know and then it's knocked down and i i think you know in our in our system where it's just a choice of two things i don't know i feel like it, it's probably stable until the flood comes and when is the flood coming um so you know for me i you know I think you need a I I like more choice, more diversity because I think that it it captures it represents the heartbeat of the populace more and and I think it while providing stability, I think it also provides people more platforms to get more ideas out to push things forward. I, I, I think there, I think it gives the opportunity for more innovative new ideas to actually get a chance of being part of a national dialogue rather than just getting thrown away too early as saying, oh, this is too far left, too far right, too radical, too whatever. It's never gonna sell. We're not gonna talk about it. And then unless you're really super nerdy about you know looking into that stuff, most people never find out about those things because they don't get any exposure. Mm -hmm. um, and I can understand for why, you know, if, if you are part of those monoliths that are already in power, like, I understand why you want to preserve that status quo. Sure. Um, and so that's great for, you know, those organizations that want to provide that, you know, preserve that status quo. The question is, is you know, is that the healthiest for our system and for all of the rest of us. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? Oh, I'm sure as soon as we stop recording <laughs> this, I'll think of it, but uh, no, not right now. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I think that was pretty good. Yeah. Good first trial. It's been fun. <laughs>